the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Swinton. We've got an amazing show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we'll be talking with Ann Arbor's own Rabbi Alter Goldstein. He is the Chabad Director of Student Outreach at the University of Michigan. Second half of the hour, we're going to feature insights into the portion of Vayigash, which can be found into the in the book of Genesis, chapter 44 and following. We've got... A lot of music. We still have some Hanukkah music hanging around because most of this week was Hanukkah, and so a lot of people put out their their music, their new music, this week when it was Hanukkah time, especially the Hanukkah parody stuff. We have one of those. So we'll be playing some of that, and some of it will be Hanukkah S, yes, indeed. We have uh, the the Sunday is Hey Tavis. We'll be talking about that as the closer. So we go straight. Let's go right to Rabbi Alter. Goldstein. How are you today, Alter? Happy Zos Hanukkah, the completion of the eighth the eight days of Hanukkah. Today we're 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 on a high, I should say. That's a good thing, especially since school is closed. So <laughs> anyway. Okay. Chabad is still open. Chabad is still Chabad never closes. It's like I tell people right. we're you know, I tell people they can call me twenty four six, but we're open twenty four seven. okay. So now Describe what was. I'm going to ask you a little history. How long are you uh, at uh, University of Michigan, Chabad, working for Chabad? Don't tell me all your life because well, I know you were I'm born. A... You were born in 19 whatever, and you grew up on the in the Chabad house. But when you came back and you assumed the position that you're in now, how many years has it been? Well, it's hard to count because there were different uh, layers to it. You know, it's, uh, you know, uh, ever since I was a yeshiva bachar, perhaps even earlier. And I've always been uh, active here on campus. Um, I would say it was after roughly 25 years 
uh, 26 years ago. You know, it's uh, you know when when I finally settled here in Ann Arbor. That's when I took the official position, um, and uh, it's been it's it's been exciting, and a lot of uh, a lot of good things have happened. Okay, so let's discuss what was life like. What was the atmosphere for Jews on? University of Michigan, and out in the world, uh, you've probably heard this, that University of Michigan is referred to as Jew of Mish because it's, there's this perceived perception that a very high percentage of the population is Jewish. I'm not sure if that is true or it's not because people pursue the world as being a very high population of Jews when it's not. So what was, what was the atmosphere like on college campus, say, 20-something years ago, Alter, as far as Jews, anti-Semitism, et cetera? So I would say um, it is a, it's a number one in reference to your first question in reference to the concentration of Jewish uh, uh, students have have been always a um, a high number at Michigan, um, especially um, you know that it's not too far from a large uh, university population uh, or a Jewish population, I should say, I should say, of Detroit. And the metropolitan area, um, I do know even in the '60s, you know that the uh, University of Michigan had a very um, concentrated Ju- uh, Jewish community. Um, perhaps there there are a number of reasons um, why it was like that, um, and they've always been very active here. Um, in reference to anti-Semitism, I think they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, it's not always uh, people experiencing a uh, a, a stone being thrown or something, uh, you know, something sprayed somewhere. I think it's also in the classrooms, and I think that's one of the. I would say that's that's one of the silent um, uh, experiences that students have, and they don't feel uh, comfortable even to speak about it, simply because all they want to do is they want to complete their academics and uh, be able to move on in life. And uh, I would say that that was probably the biggest challenge. Um, I think this has been going on for many, many years, uh, or at least from uh, my interactions with students. And uh, I think it, it surfaced a little bit more now, and I think students are more perhaps maybe, although they may be from one hand um, fearful, you know, of, you know, of how things could be, but I think actually um, – they're a little bit more vocal about it uh, today than, than they may have not been, and they almost feel like they have now permission to be able to express, um, you know, their experiences and things like this more in the open. Okay, so let me let's back up a little bit. So, um, the BDS movement was started out in California, but the SJP Students for Jewish Palestine picked up on U of M and ran with it. U of M became like one of the flagships for the BDS movement and. Baruch Hashem, the state passed a law saying that it's illegal to pass a BDS resolution in this state. But what what happened when that mushroomed and became and uh, showed its hoary head, Alter? So a couple things. <clears throat> Number one, in reference to specific groups and things like that, I I, I don't really pay attention to that. I I, I pay attention more to. Um, their experiences and and what actually how how students specifically Jewish students are experiencing um, anti-Semitism on campus and like I like I said earlier you know they call in, they come in all shapes and sizes um, some people legitimately have 
are caught up with these uh, the, these various things, thinking that this will uh, bring uh, some type of peace, freedom, or whatever you may be, may be and they're not that much um, uh, familiar with, with, with what their agenda is. So it's hard for me to say that there was something specific or certain groups and things like that that um, that came onto campus, that that was the, the moment. Um, obviously, um, there were, were different periods of time um, that things were passed here at Michigan, you know, um, or was not, uh, you know, in reference to, um, you know, how the environment at Michigan should continue, you know, that every student should feel comfortable and things like that. So uh, with that said, um, Michigan has uh, has continues to be, from one hand, um, you know, they, they've really tried to make it accommodating for the Jewish people. Um, but from the other hand, you have you have different you have different elements that kids get caught up with, uh, students, I should say, uh, get caught up with, and uh, you know, and sometimes they have to know, understand what the what what the hidden agendas are here. You know, is is there, you know, is there a component that really, if you start digging down into it, you know, this is about not a you know endorsing. Uh, the enemies of the Jewish people to say no, the Jewish people don't uh, don't uh, shouldn't exist, um, or we should eliminate them, or whatever whatever it may be, in different types of phrases or whatever it is. Okay, so after October seventh, that week specifically, so the stu- the uh, children of some of the people with whom I learn said that their their kids were uh, afraid to go to class. I'm not sure how long that lasts, but was that something that was common? Well, I would say it was probably a mixed bag. You know, um, there's obviously the, the there was what's going on on the campus itself, opposed to how things are being uh, projected throughout the world. Um, you know, from from one hand, uh, like we mentioned earlier. You know that uh, Michigan has a large concentration, and you know, uh, you know, so there is a certain level of comfortability. You know, and almost like some some kids may even live in a bubble. You know, they don't feel that threatened, and uh, you know, a lot of it is comes from the external parts. You know, parents calling in and saying, you know, um, you know, we ne- we need to protect our kids, which is very true. But I think, I I think I would more. Um, drill home on the fact of what happens um, when a student experiences something in the classrooms, um, how it's responded to. And those, I would say that that's the hardest thing to address because um, even today, um, I don't think it's walking into the classroom, but I think it's when they're walking out of the classroom of what they heard, of, of how to, of, of, of to be able to help that, that student be able to get the right help or whatever it is that they can um, they can address it for the next student who comes, and that's the hardest thing because um, you know there isn't you know like I say for, for whether it's fear or it's just feeling okay I got this behind me you know I just got my the, the mark and thing uh, you know whatever I I needed to be able to continue you know to have a student be active you really really have to have a lot of determination and I think that's that's perhaps something that's not being addressed. And I think that's um, 
I, I, I don't think it really matters if it was before October 7th or after October 7th. Obviously, it was definitely highlighted, and, and, and there are students who, who feel like that and things like that, but I think we're not addressing the, the concerns that um, many of the students are feeling um, walking out of the classrooms. Okay, we're going to talk about that soon. So October 7th is when this whole thing went down. October 8th was Simchus Torah. It's a great day of celebration on the Jewish calendar. How was Simchus Torah celebrated at University of Michigan, Alter Goldstein? So um, I would say that uh, it was, obviously we, we heard about it during during the holiday. You know, people came into to the Chabadas to let us know of what was going on. Uh, obviously, many, uh, especially observant Jewish people, went through the same motions as we did. First, we didn't want to believe it. Uh, first, we thought perhaps uh, the best of Ann Arbor got to them. You know, they they had they experienced uh, some uh, some hallucinations, uh, you know, the night before, or whatever it may be. But then we finally realized that this is this is this is a new reality, and obviously it was it was met with a lot of uh, with a lot of mixed feelings, and uh, it was very very difficult, I would say, for the students. Um, we actually uh, right after the the holiday, we uh, we we organized the, together with other Jewish organizations a a uh, a rally that we held um, and a moment of prayer on on the main campus area and there were thousands of people that uh, gathered there in literally in a matter of hours and uh you know people were extremely shaken up and people continue to be very shaken up of what's go- what's what's transpiring in Israel okay <clears throat> our guest today is rabbi alter goldstein he is the he's, uh in charge of chabad student outreach at university of michigan we are talking about anti-semitism and university of michigan so the semester's progressing, and I'm assuming it is the goal of every person who's paying tuition at University of Michigan that by the time this time of year comes around, that they've really done as best as they possibly could and that the number that's in the far right column is the highest it possibly could be. So people, I mean, I would assume that people are, are trying to, get to study and pass classes, which you, are, which you were talking about. Yet there's, there was, there's a lot, I mean, maybe it's just the media. I don't know because we always have to take a lot of times it's the media that like blows things up and makes little things that are really huge things. So <clears throat> was there this idea of like, we got to get, we, I have to get to class. I don't have time for this or was there still like a lot of uh, backing and forthing and people's concern? And what was Chabad doing during this semester to provide a uh, t- uh, um, support for Jewish students to get them to their goal of, I guess, passing the semester, Alter Goldstein? So I would say we, we do what Chabad does best. You know, uh, you the, feed the, them. The yes, we know that. Uh, that <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. um, as a matter of fact, uh, the the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, uh, um, it taught us for many many years, and uh, you know, of number one how to uh, how to use out the moments 
um, how to use that every moment, especially in times that when feel, people feel lost, to be able to inspire them and to recognize that uh, that our salvation will come from us um, being proud of who we are. And I think that that, that was the, that has been the biggest thing. You know, uh, we have record numbers, amounts of Jewish students who affix mezuzahs to their dorm rooms, to their student housing or whatever it may be. Um, you know, many students uh, took upon themselves to put on tefillin. Um, you know, students have come to the Chabad house to seek um, inspiration, uh, whether it's for, for Shabbos dinner or throughout the week, and just to talk about what's going on. Um, I, w- I would say I'm very proud of the the Jewish students here on campus, the way how they've they didn't sit back, and I don't think I think many of them have been extremely active and proactive in the sense of you know we have to do uh, we have to do more to be able to bring this message onto the rest of campus. Um, I would say that uh, it highlighted, especially when there was a vote, basically that we're trying to pass that thank God um, was not uh, passed uh, on campus about. Um, condemning Israel um, and things like that, because uh, you know the the many many Jewish students spoke up, and obviously for other technical issues, uh, if you may say it didn't, the vote didn't go through. But it was definitely um, it was definitely a, a great moment to see how um, Michigan mobilized University of Michigan, specifically the students, to be able to stand up for for their Jewishness and recognizing that something that's happening so far away. That um, they're they're here to uh, to uh, to to address that and to be able to make that uh, something that that's that's very close to heart. Mm-hmm. Is there a uh, public menorah that's permanently affixed in for the, the week of Hanukkah on somewhere in like uh, the center of University of Michigan altar? That's a great question. Um, we uh, I would say Chabados is. On central campus, so I would say we we actually not only have a menorah there, we actually which has a interesting story behind it, but we actually have a menorah that stands proud all year. Um, on the campus itself, on the University of Michigan, we do not have an affixed menorah somewhere. Um, and I've other, I've heard other colleagues from other universities um, similar concerns. You know, if if we would. Um, Put it up. We we would have we have to put it away because otherwise, I mean, aside from the fact that I don't know how it would work from the university perspective, um, but also, um, you know, you know, you're just I don't I don't know if this is the right correct word, but to say you're asking for trouble in the sense that you cannot find a menorah there the next day, and we just uh, we f- we feel that uh, that's the most um, conducive way, at least for now, and hopefully it's this thing will change in the future that we could uh, place the menorah somewhere and feel that it will it will be there the next day. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking because like at Harvard, for example, the, uh, the Chabad rabbi there said that we have to take the thing and put it away every night because it will get, va- it, right. it will get vandalized at Harvard. So the, um, <clears throat> do, do people, do students who wear yarmulkes have any problems wearing yarmulkes walking across the, the diag? Getting one class to the next, or are they everybody wearing baseball hats these days? Everybody's probably wearing hats because uh, it's cold. But other than, you know, besides that, I've heard. I, I can, like I said, you know, that's 
going back to uh, my the original question, you know, how students are feeling on campus, and I would say that's a mixed bag from one hand, yes, you do have students who are fearful. On the other hand, you have students who feel more proud and to say, you know what, I'm going to wear a yarmulke. So it it really depends. Um, have I personally seen more yarmulkes? Not really. Um, not to say that there were more before October 7th. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, like I said, it, it really, I, I think... I think especially in times of, unfortunately, when there's tragedy or something like that, people respond in different ways. Some people are more defiant, and some people are more um, uh, more scared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I think, I think that reflects a lot, the environment on campus. Okay. This is, this is one of those that questions that fits into pure theory and philosophy. Last week, uh, three uh, college presidents were called before Congress to testify. Would you like to have seen the president of U of M testify before Congress and see what what they have to say? So that's a great question. And um, I would say in reference to the, to, to the president of U of M, I think he's been extremely um, trying to, to really uh, make make uh, uh, make the Jewish community comfortable, to, yet at the same time, um, under under his limitations. Um, obviously, there is always more that can be done. Um, you know, I you know we we did we did sit together with administration with many students on campus, um, them expressing uh, their concerns um, in reference to the classroom, in reference to walking around, in reference to different friends in, never, in reference to other types of uh, experiences that they are experiencing on campus. And um, I haven't heard anything being addressed specifically to that. Um, and uh, I mean, there's one thing condemning something, there is one thing doing something about it. I think, I think today's day and age, we're very caught up in, in what our statements are. And I think, um, I think action speaks uh, bigger than words. Um, specifically, uh, the, the 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 setup of a of a public university opposed to a private university. Um, you know, from one hand, um, I, I was thinking that a public uni- uh, a public uh, university would have more difficulties trying to answer the question. What what personally bothered me was the fact that these are private universities and they could. Um, uh, control more their uh, code of ethics and, um, you know, uh, defining different things. I think it shouldn't be that difficult as it may have been to a public university. And, but, uh, again, I think, I think what's the most important thing is, is I think today um, students have to see that it's not just words, but it's actually action that the university are, are putting things in place. Um, I would say specifically here at university, um, to make a place on the campus that uh, people can light a menorah, for example. I mean, this is not something that's new, but this is something that uh, came to my attention this year, that um, due to specific regulations or things like that, kids cannot light menorah on in, in, the, in the dorm rooms, uh, or I should say, or designated areas, and they have to come to Chabadas to light the menorah. And um, so I, I think that those are the areas that need to be addressed. 
that kids should, uh, you know, they should feel that there is an effort um, that uh, that the university is addressing their uh, their needs. Okay. Okay, so semester's over, the new semester starts. I don't know, they have these wonderful college breaks that last for like, I don't know, four and a half months or something like that between semesters. But So the new semester's coming up. You're, you're gearing up for programming for the next semester. What is What are you looking for? What is Chabad of, of uh, Ann Arbor, Chabad of the University of Michigan? What are you looking forward to for the semester coming up next? The number one... Um, <laughs> Michigan is not one of those places that we have big breaks. Um, although we have a big break during the summer, so I think maybe that's what makes up for it. Uh, so, um, yeah, they are coming back in, the, in a few weeks. Um, we're looking to come back. Um, hopefully um, uh, the, the, the few weeks that the, that the students are home, they're able to almost um, deflate a little bit from everything that's gone on last semester, and hopefully they'll be able to come back with greater enthusiasm, uh, perhaps not to have to deal with things that they did deal with uh, this semester, including uh, different votes and things like that. And I think that, um, you know, that uh, hopefully we're going to build, you know, we're going we're gonna to build and we're going to continue to build uh, the Jewish community. Uh, I think that if you want to summarize everything in one word, I think it's uh, being proud to be a Jewish person. Um, I think I think that's the most important uh, component today. Um, the message that we have to tell the students, and this is what the students have to feel, and this is what the students have to uh, see, is that um, that they should be proud, uh, proud of our heritage, and proud proud of the beautiful history that the Jewish people have. And there have been different um, elements uh, throughout Jewish history, and that's what we say in the Haggadah every year. Um, and that's what Hanukkah is, is, to, is all about um, being the menorah. This is one of, the, one of the messages that I spoke throughout the menorah. You know, when we did have menorah lightings throughout the campus, that's been incredibly successful this year. Um, you, know, I, you know, I was carrying the message was that we all are a menorah, and we, if we all light our menorahs within ourselves, we'll bring a lot of light to the world. Indeed. So hopefully we'll continue that uh, next semester. That's wonderful. Okay, our guest has been Rabbi Alter Goldstein. He's the Director of Student student Outreach at University Chabad, for Chabad, a student at University of Michigan. We've been talking about anti-Semitism. Well, thank you so much for... Uh, enlightening us and taking and informing us and letting us know what's what's going on Alter, and we wish you continued success it was my pleasure and i wish everyone one final time a happy hanukkah there we go onward and upward as we say we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back you're listening to the jewish hour Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9000. 
6200-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Health Care's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I really hope things get better all over. Speaking of better, it's time for some music. This is group is called Shelshelis Jr. Now there's a group Shelshelis, which we've I don't know. It's been around 25 years, and I guess maybe these are some of their kids. I have no idea. Uh, it doesn't say anything in the liner notes about who these people are. They just uh, some of these kids have uh, pretty. Pretty amazing voices. Song is called One Heart, and it is a Hanukkah song esque. Yeah. Sure, you die 
all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next, this is Uri Davidi. The song is The Connection Is You.
And that was Uri DeVee. I hope you liked it. Up next, this was, uh, came across my desk. It's one of the, probably the last Hanukkah parody. I think they released it like um, last Wednesday. It's the group of 613. And you expect that 613 and the Maccabees and, you know, the uh, Y studs and the Keep Alive, they're going to put out something. So 613 finally got their act together. They put it together. This is a mashup. It's a parody of a mashup of Taylor Swift's songs. And they can't call it the evolution of Taylor Swift because there's already out there a, a video that's called the evolution of Taylor Swift's music. So they called this the evolution of Taylor Swift, Jewish version. And this is for your pleasure. Candles glow just like the menorah in days of old. Miracles drove the mighty Greeks out of our home. One vial of oil, it lasted for eight days. Hanukkah story, that's when we say,
assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. The portion that is read in the synagogue this week, as we are wont to do, we read the synagogue every week, a portion of the Torah, is the portion of Vayigash can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 44 and following. The primary focus of the portion is the interaction, the culmination of the interaction between Joseph and his brothers. And it's all very dramatic. You know, it's where, oh, is my father still alive? Oh, Davinu Chai, yes. You know, Am Yisrael Chai. That's all that's in this week's Parsha. When we get to the end of the Parsha, when everything's all the smoke is cleared and everything's been all set up, and it turns out that Jacob and his family are invited to live in Goshen. And it describes Goshen as being a very good pasture land because they had lots of sheep. You know, Joseph was not going to pick some rock quarry for his father to live in because he's, after all, he's running the country, so he gets to pick whatever part he wants. So at the same time, they weren't, he wasn't going to put him in the metropolis either because metropolis was like, uh, ugh. I mean, who wants to live in a city when you could be living out in the, in the country? And... Uh, so it says that there's there's two commentaries about describing this this area Goshen. That it says that the Jews settled there in great comfort. It was like you know it's an expansive land as you could probably well imagine. You know it's away from the hustle and bustle of the city, and uh, they set up shop over there, and uh, you know life was good. There's another commentary that said that they were, they were uh, grabbed by Goshen. I mean, Goshen kind of like had this like, like swallowing up effect on them. Which is quite negative. So how do we rectify both commentaries? And the answer is quite simple. There is a, an old Yiddish expression. And I think all Yiddish expressions are old because I'm not sure if they're making new ones up. And if I let, if I hear a new Yiddish expression, I'll uh, be sure to let you know. But the old ex- Yiddish expression is, "So the varm was Life is sweet for the worm that lives in the horseradish root. Okay, this is a worm. Okay, worms have this thing of like, you know, burrowing into fruit and whatnot and deriving their nutrients from this thing. And this worm decided that it's going to burrow its way into a horseradish root. Now, I don't think you can you can throw your ghost peppers at me and your, your, you know, most peppers at me and your. 370 million Coville, whatever things over there, the Scoville things over there. 
I have never had anything more wretched than a piece of horseradish that came straight out of the ground, which I took a sliver of and just put it in my mouth just to see, like, what is this stuff really like, okay? The expression wretched is would be a proper adverb, okay? My body was just saying, no, you do not want to put this into me, okay? And here you have this worm. It's making, it's, it's, it's like right at home. Could you imagine to this worm, what would happen if you take that worm and you put it in a, say, like a pile of sugar? This, this worm, if it had a heart, would have a heart attack. So what's happened is the worm is used to the worst environment possible. Rashi, way back when, the the portion of Noah, like chapter like nine of the book of Genesis, says that the best part of Egypt is worse than the worst part of Israel. That's how Rashi describes it. And here it is. So Jacob and his family, they're given the best part of Egypt. And they adapt to it. What are they like? They're like the worms. You should pardon me for saying this about my my great-grandfather, Jake. They're like the worms in the horseradish. It's the same thing going on now. We look, Baruch Hashem, the best time in the annals of history to have been a Jew has probably been the United States from the second half of the 20th century till now. The religious freedom and the opportunities and the what Jews have been able to accomplish and contribute has been unparalleled. And you'll look, you'll see the status. Listen, you know, there are lots of Jews who are doing very, very, very well. And what are we going to tell them to the worm that lives in a horseradish? It's a sweet life. If they only knew what sweet was. Okay, this is what we are, we have to try and, and uh, what the portion is trying to tell us. As good as Gaulus is, as good as exile is, we're still in someone else's country. And we always have to remember, we're still in someone else's country. We'll do our best to succeed in this country, in this environment. But there's something that we, we pray. We have a set of prayers that we pray every single day, three times a day. And depending how you ask, it's 19 blessings long. And depending who you ask, it's anywhere between 11 and 19 of the blessings are asking for God to send the Messiah. Because we're not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be with the Mashiach, with a temple, with all the Jews gathered together in Israel, with the resurrection of the dead, and living happily ever after with no problems of anti-Semitism. That's really what we're supposed to be. Anything else? It's just horseradish. What do we do about it? Well, we just got done with Hanukkah. Every night you lit Hanukkah candles, it was a good thing. Brought more light into the world. Followed by Shabbos, better thing, more light. Every single day, do something good. It brings more, more goodness into the world. We'll get there. Okay. 
it, it's taken time, but you know, the song goes, even though he may tarry, we still believe. Speaking of still believing, if you would like to get in touch, oh, we have a commercial, yes. Let's do the commercial, and uh, I've got a story to come afterwards. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital, the same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This is the part that I know everybody loves because this is the part where I ask for money because I'm going quick because I like to really want to tell the story rather than ask for money. So if you just go to RabbiFinman.com and hit the donations page, then we don't have to do this anymore. But we still owe for November, believe it or not, and we're halfway, we're past the halfway park through December. So it's not looking too good for December either. This is Lena. Listen, it's the end of the year. You got to get those tax deductible donations in, and uh, anyway, you got to keep uh, keep up with your ten percent. So uh, do it today, RabbiFinman.com. Uh, what do we got going on at Jewish Ferndale? December twenty fourth is Chinese food and film night. I know what the Chinese food is going to be. It's going to be absolutely awesome. We're still discussing what the film will be. And we'll probably just decide on the fly. You know, we'll just, like last year, what was it, two years ago, we, we had like three or four different films, and we said, what do you want to watch? And then people decided which one they wanted. Okay, last year, we just decided right at the top, we're going to, we're going to show Fantasia, not knowing that it was three and a half hours long. <laughs> culminating in Ave Maria. Thank you very much. By the time it was done, I was cooked. I mean, my eyeballs were burnt out. But <clears throat> I'll have to look at running time on backs of uh, liner notes to see how long these things are. So, RabbiFinman.com. Do it today. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Sunday is Hey Tavis. It is a auspicious day on the Lubavitch calendar. goes back to... Yates Kislev, which marks the day as the New Year of Hasidus for, the, for uh, the New Year of Hasidic philosophy, because there was an accusation against the Hasidic philosophy, and it was overcome. But then there were ensuing accusations. There was one in the next generation with the Mittler Rebbe, which I don't remember the year that it happened, and then there were ensuing ones through his successor in the 1840s. And then, probably the worst one, was in 1927 by the Soviets against the previous Rebbe. And the Rebbe then continued, and in each one, the accuser was actually closer and closer to the Rebbe himself. And by the Alter Rebbe, it were, there were Jews that accused them. 
by the Mittler Rebbe, the second Rebbe, it was a cousin. By the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, it was somebody who actually grew up in the same house with the previous Rebbe, with an orphaned kid. And the Rebbe said it's gotten even closer because it was his nephew that didn't accuse him of, of something illegal, but there was a whole court case. And on this, that day in 1987, the judge ruled in Superior, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Superior Court that Chabad belongs to Chabad, basically. It didn't belong to an individual. It wasn't somebody's family business. It was just like the grandson of the previous Rebbe was saying, listen, I want a piece of the action. It's my grandfather's business. And I'm simplifying things. And the Rebbe is saying, no, this is not a family business. This is, <laughs> this is the worldwide Hasidic movement, and you don't get a piece of the action just because your mother was the daughter of the previous CEO. It doesn't work that way. And it got, it got very ugly, and there were all kinds of uh, – different uh, things that happened and uh, there were books that were taken and uh, books that had to get from the from the Lubavitch library it was uh, definitely but so when Hey Tavis came out so the Rebbe declared it a, a, a day of, of holiday a day of celebration and the Hasidim celebrated with dancing and great joy for a week and it, after the week the Rebbe said it was like you'd base the Rebbe said okay it's time to stop celebrating already because, you know, with this, the Rebbe said, you got to do what you got to do. So um, what do people do on Hey Tavis? Well, there's all kinds of book sales. It's definitely one of those things you should uh, try to buy a book and specifically try to buy a Hasidic book. And you can go to, uh, um, what's it called? Kahot, K-E-H-O-T dot com. And that's the Lubavitch arm, the printing arm, printing division. And you can see what's there, something interests your fancy or not. And take to actually, instead of indeed just to, for owning a book, you can learn the thing too. And a uh, big plug for my Monday night Tanya class, which uh, is watchable on Rabbi Finman's Facebook page. And you can, you can watch it there, and it's archived there. So that's really what's doing with uh, current events, you might say. And we wish everybody a hey, Tavis. Okay, that's going to do it for the show. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.